He was the most famous man in America. Henry Ward Beecher was a preacher in New York City, and he drew thousands of people to hear him every Sunday. He was the most sought-after speaker in the world at that time. And yet, toward the end of his life, he was asked to begin to give a series of lectures to preachers. They're now called the Yale Lectures, or sometimes the Beecher Lectures. They're named after Henry Ward Beecher's father. And on that day, as he was to begin to give the first of those lectures, he laid down to take a nap in the afternoon. And after getting up, he went to shave and he cut himself. And as his blood dripped down into the sink, he may well have thought to himself that his very life was dripping away because everything had gone wrong. He had once been that person on top of the world whom everyone wanted to hear and whom everyone wanted to get close to, but now, now things had just gone horribly wrong. And as he stood there that day, looking in the mirror, wondering what he was going to say to those other ministers, and knowing what the newspapers were saying about him, I'm sure that he said to himself, how did I ever get myself into this terrible, terrible situation? And there's another man. He was the most famous man in Israel at the time. He was famous for a variety of reasons, one of them being that he was the tallest man in all Israel, and the other being that he was the king of Israel. And for a while, things seemed to be going great, and he seemed to be the sort of king that Israel really wanted and needed. But then, things began to slip away. And at the end of his life, he also finds himself saying, How in the world did I ever get myself into this situation? You'll find this situation at the end of the life of King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 28. Again, it is a strange passage. If you haven't considered this passage, it may very well be the strangest passage in the entire Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 28, and we'll start reading in verse 6. There's things about it that come before and other things that come after where we'll stop reading, but you'll get the gist of the story as we just read some of these verses. In verse 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 28, and Saul inquired of the Lord. The Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go into her and inquire inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there's a medium at Endor. And so Saul disguised himself, and he put on other garments, and he went, he and two men with him, and they came up to the woman by night. And he said, Divine for me a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said, surely you know what Saul has done. You know how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord. As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. 
And then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see gods coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. What is going on here? I mean, it's not very often that you read about ghost stories in the Bible. There is that passage where the disciples think that Jesus is a ghost when he walks by them on the sea, but not that often do you see someone being brought up from the dead in the Bible. And yet this woman, this woman, that's her calling in life in some sense. She was the one who brought people up from the dead. And this is at the end of Saul's life. In a few hours, he will be dead by his own hand. And you have to wonder, how did Saul get from the king of all Israel, the person to whom everyone looked up, how did he go from there to here, going to see a witch, calling up a ghost of God's prophet? What in the world went on there? I mean, there are a lot of questions that you have when you read this passage. A lot of things you begin to wonder what's really going on here because this is so strange. Uh, the, the woman, the text translates her as a medium or some of your texts may translate her as a witch. You've heard the famous phrase, the witch of indoor. Indoor has made its way sort of into our common consciousness. Uh, the Remember the old show Bewitched and the mother's name was Indora. And then there are, there's a mention of indoor in Star Wars, you remember. There are all these places where indoor has sort of made its way into our consciousness. But here, Saul almost certainly is in lots of trouble. He realizes that the army that Israel is going to face, the Philistine army, he realizes that they are almost certainly going to defeat Israel. And he realizes what will happen to the king of the nation who is defeated. Usually the king of the nation who is defeated is kept as a pet by the winning king. Their hands and feet are cut off and they're chained up and they're kept almost as an animal. And Saul comes to realize that he is in serious trouble and he doesn't know what to do. And so he thinks, I've got to ask God. The problem is that God had stopped talking to Saul because of the things that he had done. God had stopped talking to Saul because of the fact that he had absolutely and flagrantly disobeyed him. And as a result, God doesn't speak to him. You see that in the passage that we read earlier. It says that God doesn't speak to him through the Urim. That was, we don't know exactly what it was, but it was some kind of a a vest that the priest wore and there were apparently light and dark stones in there. And so you asked a yes or no question and you reached in and pulled out the stone. And if, if, if you reached in and pulled out the same stone three times in a row, 
that generally meant that God was speaking through that. Well, and again, we don't know exactly how all this worked, but God wasn't speaking to Saul through that. So Saul went and took a nap, thinking to himself, there have been numbers of times when God has spoken through dreams. Maybe God will speak to me through dreams, but no, God doesn't speak to him through dreams. And then Saul remembers that the way that God has spoken to him in the past has been through the prophet Samuel. But Samuel's dead, and God isn't speaking to Saul. The disobedience that Saul has engaged in has finally taken him to the edge where he has abandoned God and God has abandoned him. And suddenly he thinks to himself, I've got to, I've got to hear what Samuel has to say. I've got to hear what Samuel tells me about how we can defeat the Philistine army. And so he says to his people, you need to go and find me a witch. That's an unusual request from the king because of the fact that he has, earlier in his rule, he has said, all witches get out of Israel or die. Because God has said, don't go seeking for information from the witch. Seek information from me. And so all of those people who somehow tried to get special information that God hadn't given them, those people who claimed to be mediums or spiritists or whatever they might claim to be, they'd been driven out of the land. But Saul's people know where one last one is at Endor. And Endor is apparently behind enemy lines. And so Saul is taking a great risk by going to see this woman at Endor. But he is so desperate to hear something from God, so desperate to hear a word from God that he's willing to go behind enemy lines. He says, go and find me this woman. And and literally the text says, go and find me this woman who possesses an obe. An ob, it's an unusual word in Hebrew. And scholars are divided about exactly what it means because it only occurs a few times in the literature that we have. But it is apparently a hole in the ground from which smoke comes and voices give you answers. You can ask a question and the voice will give you an answer. That's apparently what the the witch did. She was the possessor of an obe. She somehow was able to cause smoke that looked like the appearance of a person and somehow able to cause voices to come up and to give people answers. Saul is so desperate in his life. He has been so abandoned by God and he has abandoned God that he just doesn't know what to do so he goes and finds this woman who has an ope. Now what's really going on there? Really there are three things that might be happening. Scholars are divided about exactly what it is but some scholars say this was really Samuel that Samuel came back from the dead on this one occasion to tell Saul that he was in real serious trouble may have been. (laughs) She's scared of the ghost. (laughs) Other scholars say it, it wasn't Samuel, but it was a demonic impersonation of Samuel. And so it was a demon that looked like Samuel or an agent of Satan that looked like Samuel, but it really wasn't Samuel. 
And other scholars say that the woman was a ventriloquist. Interestingly enough, really. Even Calvin says this was a trick. The woman was a belly speaker. Because all that happens is Saul doesn't really see Samuel. You'll notice if if you read the passage carefully, Saul doesn't really see Samuel. The woman claims to see Samuel, and Saul says, what does he look like? And the woman says, well, he has this robe on. And Calvin says, are we to expect that Samuel took his robe with him to the afterworld? I, I don't know. All that happens is that Saul hears a voice apparently coming up from the pit in the ground, the obe. He hears this voice, and he says, that's Samuel. Now, I'm not here to settle the debate for you because every one of the answers has its problems. If it was really Samuel, why would God allow his prophet to be called up by a two-bit witch? It just doesn't seem right. On the other hand, if it was a demonic impersonation, why would this person know enough to tell Saul that his army was going to be lost and tell Saul that he was going to die tomorrow? Because that's eventually, as you read through the passage, the spirit or whatever it is says to Saul, you're going to be with me tomorrow and your sons. And if it was a ventriloquist, you wonder how would they have known that Saul was going to die. So we don't know. I mean, we know that Saul heard a voice coming up out of the ground. And we know that ventriloquism was used in those days. Nobody had puppets for ventriloquism, so they became witches, I guess, instead. And it may very well be that Saul is standing there looking at the ground, and he hears something like, Hey, let me out of here right now, hey, let me out of here. Maybe what happened? <laughs> hey, Saul. I don't, we don't know. We do know, however, that Saul shouldn't have been there. That whatever it was that the woman, whether she really was shocked because Samuel came up, because there seems in the text to be this shock, whether it was a demonic impersonation, whether she was a fraud, we don't know. But we do know that that's not the place where Saul should have been. And that's certainly not the place where he should have ended up his life. And we do know that when the image or whatever it is says to Saul, you will be with me tomorrow, that what Saul does, he is so frightened. He is so taken aback by the fact that that this person who claims to be the prophet of God, has told him that he will die tomorrow, that Saul goes out and he commits suicide. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The image tells Saul, you're going to die tomorrow, and Saul goes out and falls on his sword. Actually gets his sword keeper to do it for him, but he, he dies, he commits suicide. And when you think about that, you think, how is it How is it that this man who was once the great king of Israel could have somehow fallen to such a terrible place where he's sneaking around behind enemy lines at night going to see someone who makes voices come up out of the ground? 
It's a terrible place for Saul to be. And the reason that Saul is there is because of envy. He envies King David, remember. He is mad about the fact that people are singing this song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousand. Saul is there to see the witch of Endor because he's angry about the way that God is working out his plan. And he thinks that it ought to be worked out differently. Saul is there because he's angry about the fact that God is not giving him the answers that he wants. And so he goes to someone else for answers. Saul is there because he doesn't trust God. And on that last night of his life, what a terrible thing it is to stand in front of a witch because he doesn't trust God. See, sometimes we think that we we can work it all out. We think to ourselves, well, if God won't give me that, I'll go out and get it myself. And we think to ourselves that we really have control over everything in our lives. We think to ourselves that if we can just work all these things out, if we can just get the information that we need, if we can just get the money and the power that we need, that we can work it all out. But it, it's not true. No matter how secure you might think you are, all of us today are here at the good pleasure of God. You remember, I'm sure you've all heard of the famous Civil War general. His name was John Sedgwick. And he was standing at the front line, standing up on top of something. And his men were saying to him, you need to get down. You need to get down. And he said to his men, oh, this is nothing. They couldn't hit an elephant at this just. And he shot in the head, fell over, died. And that's his famous last words. They couldn't hit an elephant at this just. Boom. Saul ends up his life in a way that is displeasing to God because he will not love God for who he is instead of forgiving Saul what he wants. Saul wanted the kingship his way. He wanted things to go his way. And at the end of his life, when God wouldn't give it to him his way, he goes to the witch And he is sorely disappointed, terribly disappointed. The most famous man in Israel, tall, strong, politically powerful. But he ends up his life a terrible, terrible failure because he refuses. He just refuses to realize that rather than making God like he wants him, Saul should have made himself like God. We all, we all face that temptation, you see. The scripture tells us that we should try to make ourselves like God, and yet far too often, we want to make God like ourselves. Calvin says that we are little idol makers. We are idol factories. We make God like ourselves. And when God 
doesn't tell us what we want, we go to someone else to get the information. That's what Saul did. But there's some little bit of hope in this story. Because you see, the reason that Saul was no longer to be king was that there was another king, and his name was David. And David, in many ways, did things that were much worse than Saul did. David committed murder, essentially. Engaged in murder, anyway. David committed adultery. He did all kinds of things that he shouldn't have. And yet, when we get to the New Testament and Jesus is born, he is called the son of David. He's never called the son of Saul. And the difference between David and Saul is that David realized that he couldn't ignore God's word and just go on in the way that he wanted to. David realized that when he had done wrong, he had no choice but to repent and to turn back to the God who gave him life. But the most famous man in Israel didn't realize that. And you remember at the beginning, the most famous man in America, Henry Ward Beecher, he stood up that day to speak to those young ministerial students. But he knew. He knew that there had already been a suit filed against him because of the fact that he was engaged romantically with one of his best friend's wives. Henry Ward Beecher knew that though he had one, at one time been the most famous man in America, the man whom everyone came to see, that the newspapers were now saying that he preached to 10 or 20 of his women friends every Sunday. He knew that his life was ruined because he had failed to listen to what God had said. If there's anything, if there's anything that we can learn today, it is that there's a difference between David and Saul. That Saul ended up his life like Henry Ward Beecher, a terrible failure. And today, what we remember about Beecher and what we remember about Saul is that they were Failures. They ended up their life in a horrible way. They failed to end well. But David, on the other hand, he ended well. And there's another Saul. A man apparently named after King Saul. He lived in Tarsus. And one day he was walking along the road... And a bright light came to him. And a voice came out of that light and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And that day, that man's life was changed. That Saul's life was changed and his name was changed. And he became Paul the Apostle. And though he had started out wrongly, though he also had engaged in essentially murder just like David had, He ended well because he knew the forgiveness that is available to 
through Jesus Christ. There's a a story by Hemingway in which he tells of a father and a son who were estranged from one another. The son had run away to Mexico, and the father had no way to get hold of him. And it had been years since they had spoken. And so in the story, the father puts an ad in the newspaper. And the ad says, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana on noon, at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. And at the end of the story, 800 boys named Paco show up to the Hotel Montana. All desperate for their father's forgiveness. So we can go through our lives ignoring what God has to say to us, or we can go through our lives learning a good lesson from a bad example. We can learn that our Father stands ready and says to us, all is forgiven. All is forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need not go to witches or ghosts for forgiveness. We only need to go through Jesus Christ. And today, I hope that you will learn that lesson and find the forgiveness that we all so desperately desire, that forgiveness through our Lord Jesus.